Welcome to the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. It is the year 2015, and life has lost all meaning. What once was up is down. What once was right is wrong. And those who dare to make a podcast which subversively reanimates the dead art of radio theater are considered dangerous criminal outcasts. Driven into exile, four pungent brigands risk their lives to broadcast from a South Seas barge crudely fashioned from the disintegrating corpse of an ancient titan and several thousand yards of cooking twine to bring you the triumph, the majesty, the sublimity of rude alchemy. Um, okay. Uh, hi there, folks. Uh, my name is Doug. I, uh, I'm gonna be taking over the position of narrator here at Rude Alchemy. As you know, your previous narrator tragically took his own life at the end of the last season, so now I know you are all mighty fond of the last fella, but I'm gonna be your new buddy here. And we're gonna make lots of new memories and hopefully turn things around a bit and steer this program to be a, a little bit more family-friendly and Maybe cut back a bit on the salty talk and the gratuitous violence and the... Yeah! Yeah! Oh, I back you sons of bitches! Yeah! Woo! Oh, oh, I made it, yes! Yes, oh! 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 Oh, hold on, hold on, I gotta catch my breath. Uh, oh, God, that's a lot of blood. <laughs> oh, whew. Okay. Oh, let me just get situated. Yeah, okay, I'm better. I got it, I got it. You got it, narrator. You got it. Oh. I am so sorry I'm late. I just woke up in my coffin like 30 minutes ago. I I can't believe the cheap bastards here didn't pay to embalm me. Anyway, I, I wake up in the old corpse cabin there, and I'm like, Oh no, narrator, what did you do? Why are you waking up in a coffin again? I mean, I'm thinking that Yakuza thing is over, right? Anywho, then I remember. Carve a crane bottom, the poison, and I'm thinking, yes! The poison wasn't strong enough. This is great. I'll just climb up the coffin and... Eh. Wrong answer. Wouldn't you know I'm already buried? So I claw through the wood with my nails, which are just gone, by the way. Bloody little nibs now. Oxygen running out, etc. Then I burst my head triumphantly through to the surface and... Oh, hold on. Uh, they're, they're telling me i got to wrap it up. You know, fellas, can we can we get an intern to do that? Oh, oh, you mean my story? <laughs> oh, I, I thought you were telling me to wrap up this father of four's corpse. <laughs> okay, I'll continue the story next time. <laughs> now, prepare, dear listeners, for the high-flying fisticuffery of Bruff Taxwind, Sky Sailor.
Bruff Tax Wind Sky Sailor is brought to you by Happy Jack's Chimney Sweep Service. If our chimney sweep isn't on time, does a less than satisfactory job, or decides to hide in your chimney for a few days before the moment is right to burn your house to the ground, the next job's on us! That's the Happy Jack Guarantee. Zipping around and among the sheening steel belfries of old New York's skyline, potted a menagerie of sky vessels of all shapes and sizes. It was the dawn of a new era and a new century in the industrialized West, and airships were all the rage, cheap, efficient, and fashionable. It seemed everyone was hopping on the blimping bandwagon. Office workers preferred transit dirigibles to filthy old buses for their daily commutes. Weekenders out for a Sunday stroll left the jalopy in the garage and whizzed out over the country in a personal ship known as a Peppy Zeppi, expertly marketed by a leading airship manufacturer. But the latest and greatest craze were the massive, looming air cruisers built for luxury, interstate, or transcontinental travel. So popular was the technology that the air cruiser companies waged a marketing war, desperate to distinguish their own ships as the largest, newest, or most extravagant. But not everyone was thrilled with the airborne travel trend. No, many prominent doctors noted a marked increase in cases of heightophobia, and many less vertically inclined individuals elected to stay surface-bound indefinitely. Our story begins... Not with an airship, but with the arrival of a more traditional shipping vessel. Heaving through the spoiled surf of the great Hudson River was the good ship known as Lady Frontier. Her captain moored her, her crew anchored her, and her first mate was gentle and kind, but still left her with a vague sense of disappointment and a nagging feeling that she had done something wrong. Left her with the vague sense that... uh, Oh, like she's a virgin. The ship. The ship is a virgin and had an uncomfortable first time with the first mate, as in her first mate. Okay, got it. Hey, um, Courtney? Yeah, yeah, can you please tell them to highlight the jokes for me like we discussed? Yeah. Yes, yes, in in magenta, preferably. You know, otherwise they sneak up on me and I forget to make them sound suggestive. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Court. Oh, oh, sorry, folks. Courtney is my new assistant. What with the success of season one, I just needed a little more help around here. Anyway, back to the newly deflowered ship. Her crew quickly bounded down the gangway anxious to touch solid land after a long journey at sea. They jostled and shoved, hurrying past our hero, Bruff Taxwind, like a wave rushing around a docking post. Bruff stood at the edge of the board, hat in his anxious hand, as the chief steward Smitty made his way down the creaking planks. 
Hey, Smitty, hey! Oh, not now, Taxwind. I just got back. I know, I know. I gotta talk to you. Bruff, I've been at sea for a long time. A long time. A man has certain needs, you understand? Yeah, I, I, I guess so. Certain desires, certain pinings. Right. So, I'm gonna go in the freight office right now and take care of that deep yearning right now. I've been waiting long enough. If you want to come inside and talk to me, I won't stop you. Okay, great. <clears throat> okay, uh, so, what I wanted to ask you was... Shush, 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 shush. Do you hear that? The widow twinkle of widow toesies? What? Where is him? Where is him? Where is Smitty's big widow man? Where is Smitty's best widow man? <gasps> there is him! There is him! Let me hold him! Let me cuddle his widow head in my cheek! We'll never leave him again! Never, 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 never! We missed him! So, what do you want, Taxwind? Uh... Well... Uh, the Lady Frontier. <laughs> of course, you know. I'm uh, well qualified as a sailor. Yeah, that's what I figured this be about. You got some nerve coming in to ask me about a job. Doesn't him. Doesn't him have some nerve, Mr. Joshua? Doesn't Mr. Big Bluff have some big nerve coming to talk to Mr. Smitty about him jobby-wobbies? Doesn't him? Uh, Mr. Joshua? Joshua Puppington III. <gasps> Where is your head, Joshua? No wonder Mr. Big Bad Bluff didn't recognize you. There. Now he's a pretty man. Ready for a night on the town. <clears throat> so, uh, <laughs> about the job. Taxwind, come on. What do you expect me to say? I'm in charge of hiring for that hunk of metal. You don't think I got sailors coming up to me every day asking about jobs? And most of them ain't felons. Aw, oh, Smitty, you know that was a setup job. Everybody knows that. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But I'm the one has to explain to the captain why I got a crew member who's a convicted jewel thief on board a ship that transports valuable cargo. Isn't it? Isn't it valuable, valuable cargo? There's gotta be something I can do. I've been away ten years now, Smitty. I did my time. Don't that count for nothing? Look, if there was something I had for you, Dockside, maybe I'd try to get you a few hours. But I got nothing right now. Business ain't so good, bruff. Things is different since you've been away. Those damn airships. Yeah, I hate to say it, but they're faster, they're cheaper, and they can move more freight. These days I've got half the jobs available we did ten years ago. Yet I still got the same amount of sailors beating down my door for work. Isn't they? Isn't them seamen beating down Mr. Smitty's doors? Isn't Mr. Smitty up to his ears in seamen? You knew it was a matter of time. I get you, Smitty. But I gotta make rent somehow. I'm behind. I'll be out on the street in a week if I can't get some scratch together. Look, I got nothing for you. You try the other outfits around here? Yeah, everywhere. No one will even look at me. Well, you don't make it easy for yourself, bruff. Look at your face. What, are you sleeping on rocks? I told you I gotta make money. I've been boxing. Looks more like you've been getting boxed. Yeah, I ain't got that great a record, Smitty. That's why I need some honest work. You try going to the airships? Hell no, Smitty. Men ain't supposed to be leaving the ground like that. It's unnatural. A few years back on a transfer, they tried to make me ride in one of those godforsaken things. 
I made sick in the cabin until they gave in and brought me by bus on land like God intended. Besides, I'm a sailor. That's what's in my blood. Bruff, you're a felon looking for work in a dying industry with more workers than jobs. I suggest you get better at boxing. Now, if you'll excuse me, Joshua Puppington and I need to take a bath. Though his record was less than exemplary, Bruff's nightly forays into semi-professional pugilism did provide him a modest income from time to time. Though he lacked any training and was rubbish at blocking, occasionally Bruff would manage to land one of his jaw-breaking right hooks and lay out his opponent in short order. When this occurred, he would be paid and could afford to stay in his meager room for another week. Bruff hoped his right hand would serve him well that evening as it had in the past. Right hand would serve him. You know, okay. Again, Courtney, this should have been highlighted. Or should it have? You know, I'm not sure. Is is, is this a joke about self-abuse or... Uh-huh. Yeah, but... Because self-abuse jokes get highlighted in fuchsia, right? The grape-scented one. It should be next to my bust of Caligula. Courtney, the people are waiting. Okay, okay. I'm just going to keep going while Courtney looks for that. Hopefully we don't have any more surprises. <clears throat> Bruff stewed in the back room of the hall that served as venue for the illegal boxing activities, still miffed from Smitty's rejection earlier that afternoon. His unofficial, unpaid, and unwanted trainer, Jerry Larry Mullafilakahan, vigorously taped his hands. You're giving a business tonight, rough laddie. Oh, I know you well this time, you beautiful bastard, you. He's up on the tape, you dizzy mick. I'm trying to concentrate. Whoa, whoa. Can we? Should we? This is uncharted territory. A straight-up racial slur. Oh, I don't know. Okay. I'm going to make an executive ruling on this. It's fine. The Irish can handle it. They're a sturdy, strong-backed, simple breed used to railroad construction, starvation, and constant, brutal, second-degree sunburns scorching their pale, translucent, subhuman skin. Surely they can handle a hurtful word or two. I think it's fine. Uh, Actually, let's wait and see how Jerry Larry handles it. That's a trick I learned when Courtney and I went to see Deaf Comedy Jam last weekend. When they laugh, we can laugh. Why, you blasted sort of a monkey knacker and Tommy Moylan. Okay, he did not take that well. Um, I'm going to have to say the jury's out on this one. Hmm. It's almost as if he has a bad temper. Never would have expected that. An old Protestant. All right, all right. Take it easy, Jerry Larry. I didn't mean nothing by it. Who's on the card against me tonight? He's a nothing, bro, Flatty. Name it, Sir Williger. You'll bust him up for sure with that big right hook. You'll murder him. You're a murderer, you are. Who is it? Don't you know we're preparing for a fight, you dumb backward motherless ignoramus. I'm looking for a rough tax wind. Is he here? Who wants to know? Name a Hansberry, warden from... Warden? Hey, I ain't done nothing. You can't take me back. You leave Mr. Taxman alone. He's preparing for a fight and he's an innocent man turning over a new leaf. You just leave him be. Let me handle this bruff now. Here, see you. Jeez, I'm crow. Take it easy, you two. It ain't about no crime and I ain't from no jail. I'm warden out in the county at the New York State Home for the Lack-Brained and Malformed. Got a simp here with me being released to your recognizances. What? Name a Whiff Taxman, says here. Your only brother, according to the paperwork. Whiff? I, I don't understand. He wasn't... A simp? A stooge? A doodlehead? 
A dum-dum? A feather brain? Nah, he has what we professionals call an acquired noodlefication. He was working the docks down the Hudson a few years back, and a canister smacked him in the noggin. You might say the stupid Cupid shot him with an arrow of mental deficiency-itis. When's the last time you saw your brother, Mr. Taxwind? When we was kids. My pop, he was a ship's captain, took me on a voyage and left with with some of his friends. The ship went down and took my pop with her. After I got rescued, I I tried to find Whiff a bit, but we was never that close, so I begged it. Well, lucky you. You'll be getting real close to little brother now. State of New York says, and I quote, We find the patient Whiff Taxwin to be of no danger to himself or others. Therefore, he is to be remanded to the care of his closest surviving relative. That's you, big guy. Now, hold on. I I can't take care It's been lovely getting to know yous, but I got a bus full of simps just waiting to be romanticized throughout this fair city. Whiff, get in here. In walked the pitiable man-child Whiff Taxwind. Tall, though not as tall as Bruff, and with a fraction of the muscle tone, the nervous, fidgeting, gently rocking dullard resembled a crackling reed in a dry marsh as if the slightest whiff of wind would send him disintegrating into the heavens. Ah, uh, hiya, bruv. Whiff. Ah, look at that, just like old times. All right, chickens, I got a scratch. Been nice knowing ya. Oops, I almost forgot. He wears a size four diaper. What the... Whoa, hey, don't have a pop imitation there, bruiser. I'm just pulling your Woolworths. You should have seen your face. Take it easy, you two crazy kids. Wait, you, you can't do this to me. I, I can't take care of no simp. Hey! Bruff, laddie, it's time to take the ring. What? Yeah, okay. Where you going, Bruff? Listen, Whiff, you you stay here, all right? Uh, don't move from this spot. I, I gotta fight real quick. A fight? Who's mad at you? Nobody, you stupid... Listen, just do what I said, all right? Stay put and don't get in no trouble. I'm going to win this fight, make my rent, and first thing tomorrow morning, we're finding a place that'll take you in. But I thought I was going to stay with you, bruv. Oh, Jesus. Whoever told you that, they don't know nothing. You'll be better off in some place. An institution-like, trust me. Oh, bruv, I don't know. Shut it. No blubbering. Now, for the last time, stay put and shut your yap. Okay, bruv. Come on, Jerry Larry. Atta boy, bruv. Waiting for your mentally handicapped brother. It's place time for the match. You're going to murder him. Bruff and Jerry Larry Mullifry Lockerham shoved their way through the mass of drunken humanity that had coalesced that evening for the promise of violence. So rowdy was the crowd that Bruff was nearly forced to engage in fisticuffs twice before he even entered the ring. Ring, in this case, is a bit of a misnomer considering the sorry square of string and concrete that made a poor job of separating the groundlings from the combatants. Bruff popped his body through the pathetic partition to find his opponent, Polio Arms Terwilliger, already waiting. Terwilliger? Terwilliger? Now, you might think that a man whose arms are so debilitated and miniaturized by polio that he would come to be known as Polio Arms would not be an ideal candidate for a career in boxing. You'd be right. Begin. Take that! Take that! Stay down, you stupid Pollock! Bruff was confused about what polio meant. Also, I'm starting to suspect he might be a tad prejudiced. One! As the referee mercifully started the count for Terilliger, Bruff heard a distinct noise off in the crowd. 
that's my brother up there. Three. Oh, look, it's his brother. Hey, Simp, do you box too? Yeah, yeah, do you box too, Simp? I don't know, I... Uh... Whiff, I told you to stay in the back. Oh, oh hiya, bruv. Focus on the ever and match, bruv, it ain't over yet. Hey, Mitzi, square up with the Simp. Yeah, get me, I'm boxing with a drooly. I'm scared, bruv. Let's see what you got, bird brains. Hey, you, knock that off. What are you doing, bruv? Get back in the ring, you daffy clod hopper. Get over here, Whiff. Didn't I tell you to stay in the back? I'm sorry, bruv. I just thought I... Winner by forfeit. Polio arms to Williger. What? Hey, ref. What's the idea? I knocked that disease Pollock into next week. You left the ring before I finished the count, with What do you expect? Okay, to Williger. You're the winner. I gotta raise your hand. Give it here. I gotta hold it up. Oh, yeah, you... No, uh, up high, o- over your head. I'm trying. No, over your head. Here, give it to me. Ow! This is one of those gags that would be much funnier if you could see it in person. That is, if you think it would be funny to watch a man with a debilitating disease struggle painfully to raise his arm, you sick, unfeeling monster. No, Courtney. No. It's truly not funny. If you had a severely sickle left foot, your sense of humor might be a bit more mature, too. Whiff, you cost me that match, you stupid bastard. What's the matter with you? I'm sorry, bruv, I... Hey, Dexwin, you taking your little brother for his bath? Let's get the hell out of here. Hey, you just gonna ignore us, Dexwind? That was the idea. Out of my way. Look, Mitzi, the pigeon's gonna fly. <gasps> What'd you say? That's your name, ain't it? Pigeon bruff tax win? From when they pinned that job on you that you ain't... Tough number one didn't get to finish the sentence that would explain why Bruff has such a violent reaction to his nickname because of Bruff's violent reaction to his nickname. In seconds, the roughneck's nose was shattered and his knees were buckled. Tough number two attempted to run, but Bruff punched him in the back of the skull which gave under the impact to a degree that was surprising to Bruff himself. He looked up from his bloodied glove to the faces of the stunned crowd, when suddenly beams of light shot through the windows, and whistles buzzed over the cacophony of breaking doors and wailing sirens. This is a raid against the wall, all of you. Ah, what do we have here? A couple of violent offenders? Hands in the air, you low-life lollygaggers! Hey, it wasn't me. Oh, likely story. Look at the blood on your hands. You're both coming with me, you degenerate, no-good Nick Apple sellers. Hey, you leave them boys alone, copper. You don't know what you're doing. These are innocent boys here. Don't tell me what to do, old timer. I'll throw you in the clink with them. Don't you be talking back to me, you cocky little broth. I'll throw away the key on the lolly. I was breastfeeding your mother before you could walk you. Oh, you Whoa, slow down, fellas. Irish need not apply the brakes. <laughs> I get her. God. Courtney, can you find me an Irish to English dictionary? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. The Irish clearly speak English, as well as their reptilian tongues allow. Yeah, take a walk down to County Cork with a ham sandwich, you gizzard. May St. Patrick grave your transient soul and limbo your pancake eater. Okay, I'm going to put the kibosh on this Irish rap battle, so to speak, and move us along to the next scene. After all, I'm supportive of a little diversity in the media, but I'm told some women do listen to this program, and I don't want to expose our normal, everyday June and Jane American girls to more bog-trottery than their pure, angel-kissed ears can handle. I'm sorry, but we have a moral obligation. 
Anyway, the potatoey policeman threw Bruff and Whiff into the back of his paddy wagon and escorted the brothers promptly to the cooler. Gee, I'm sorry, Bruff. I didn't mean to cause no trouble. Well, you did, you stupid moron. Do you realize what this will do to me? No, Bruff, I... I'm going to have to go back now. Oh, God, back to the slammer. <laughs> I, I can't take it. I won't be able to take it this time, Whiff. You screwed me good here, you dumb son of a bitch. I was only trying to see the boxing match, Bruff. I wasn't trying to cause no problems for you. I'll do better next time. What next time? When we go to your boxing match again, Bruff. I'll sit in the back and stay quiet real good like you'll see. Whiff, come here. Listen to me. Listen good. I may go to jail for good this time. Or I may not. Maybe by some miracle I'll get off. But either way, lucky or unlucky... Jail or no jail, you will never be in my life ever again. Do you hear me? Never. You dumb, pitiful, worthless bird brain. You're not even a person, you drooling nit. Now stay the hell away from me. Such language. You talk this way to all of God's unfortunate sons, Monsieur Taxwind? From the shadows on the other side of the cell door emerged an almost impossibly tall man. Despite his stature, his clothes hung off him like a circus clown's. They were old-fashioned and appeared to have once been brightly coloured, though now clearly faded. His attire, though clean, could almost have been described as beggarly, if not for the shimmering jewellery on his wrists, fingers, and ears. To complete the bizarre appearance... Intricately drawn, though indiscernible imagery inked its way up and down his arms and neck. Who the hell are you? Where did you come from? Uh, uh, I asked the first question, mon ami. Please, your answer? What I said to this dumb bastard is true, and he ain't one of God's sons. He's a son of Captain Lionel Taxwin, who was about as godlike as the devil's piss pot. Now, answer my question, Mona. Lisa? Obliged. I am Monsieur Tangier. And where did you come from? Ah, you are referring to my accent. Well, today it suits me to be a Frenchman, so voila, I am. Tomorrow? Who knows? <laughs> He's funny, bruv. Shut it. No, no, I take it as a compliment. My appearance may be humorous to some. Yeah, I wasn't going to mention it, but... uh. My body art... That is, I believe the Americans say. As I said, I play whatever part I must. However, there are some costume pieces you put on that you can never take off. I thank you for your approval, my wide-eyed friend. And what is your name? Whiff. Speak up, Whiff. Whiff Taxwind. Ah, I was not told there would be two Taxwinds here. Are you a shaler as well? You betcha. I've been everywhere sailing. Yeah, before you went pickle brain. He had an accident. He's a simp now. Ah, well, simplicity has its virtues. Look, I don't know what you're trying to pull, Fruitcake, but you can take it back to the United Frenchland or whatever. I don't need any more aggravation. Very well, if you insist. I suppose there are plenty of cells I could visit wherein the men would be grateful for an early release and an offer of employment. Off I go. Ho, 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 hold it. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? Your friend, Ed the Docks. I don't got no friends. Uh, Monsieur Schmidt-E. Oh, 
Oh, you talked to Schmitty. Yes, I went to his establishment seeking recommendations for crew members. And, well, I got more than I bargained for. The dog thing? Yeah, I know. What's with that? It's disgusting. Right, I mean it's a dog. And he treats it like a concubine. More like a lady whore. (laughs) You know he buys it jewelry? No. No, really? He's broke because of it. The man has a serious problem. Are you guys talking about Smitty? You know him too? Who doesn't? The guy's freaking sick. Oh, you know what? You know what, something? It's a dog, okay? A dog. There are real people in the world. People who would kill for that kind of love and affection, and he's given it to this... this... Animal. Right, Whiff. An animal. It doesn't even... Know what any of it means, right? It doesn't have a brain. The whole thing is disgusting. Sick. Unnatural. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I heard he has sex with the dog. No. No, that can't be right, can it? That's not right. That's not right, is it, Bruff? I don't know. I heard that too. No. No. This is too much. I, I've seen some things in my day. I mean, look at me, I'm mysterious and otherworldly and kind of ambiguous and everything, but this sex dog sex thing, I just can't, you know? I mean, I'm just not going to let my mind go there. Just saying what I heard is all. He was about to take a bath with a dog last time I was there. Oh, come on. You mean he was going to give the dog a bath? No. I mean, he was getting naked and running water so he could bathe in a tub simultaneously with this small dog. Who was wearing a top hat. Hey, only in New York, right? (laughs) Who are you? Shit. Sorry. That's the jailer. He was guarding the cell the whole time. Damn it! I keep missing people in these jail cells. Courtney? Yeah, Court? Please, make a note to tell them less jail scenes. I know. I don't like them either. I get claustrophobic. (gasps) You too? Oh, there's another phobia we share. So, uh, let's see. With spiders, uh, clowns, Greek yogurt, belly buttons, and now claustrophobia. That makes five. You're keeping track, right? <laughs> oh, I still bet I have more than you. How about, um, how about... Fear of dying alone and unloved and no one going to your funeral because you were a bad boy who liked to press himself against the Davenport when mother went out to a temperance society meetings. No? <laughs> See? I take the lead. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Back to this. Back to the story. <clears throat> Let's skip ahead past the rest of the dog talk. Tangier really had a lot to say about it. All I'm saying is that I agree with Whiff that there's a point where the personification becomes almost abusive. Now, gentlemen, on to the purpose of my visit. As I said, I am looking for good crew members for my ship, and your canine-canoodling friend Schmitty sent me your way. <laughs> good old Schmitty. Look, Mr. Tangier... I'll take any job. I ain't picky. But this charge I got now ain't gonna be so easy to beat. If that hard case I tuned up back at the ring kicks the bucket, they got me on a murder rap. Don't worry, bruv. That guy won't be kicking no bucket. He's dead. You stupid bastard. Kick the bucket means you are dead. Wait. How do you know he's dead? The nice policeman told me when he gave me my ice cream. Ice cream? 
What the hell? You didn't get any? Who, who said that? Oop, sorry, it's me, the jailer again. It's Wednesday. We, we have ice cream for everyone on Wednesdays. It was my idea. You want me to get you a scoop? No, I don't want a scoop. Ooh, I'll take a scoop. What kind? Well, what kind do you have? Hello, excuse me, you just told me I killed a guy. I'll just get a little sampler. Now is our chance, Monsieur Taxwind. I can see you are a strong man who knows how to fight. What we really need is an enforcer. You see, security aboard the ship. You will be perfect. I also know that if I help you escape, you will be completely loyal. Yes, Mr. Taxwind? Yeah. I have been given to understand that you are a loyal, uh, perhaps to a fault, yes? What do you know about it, Fruit? Now, now, Schmitty seemed to believe it was common knowledge. Your friend was involved in some ill-planned jewel heist and managed to pin the job on you? And you never mentioned his name to the police? I ain't no rat. No, that you are not. However, some men may call you other names. Patsy, Stooge, Pigeon. Don't you ever call me that again, or I'll... Break my skull with your fist? Hmm. You will be able to control your temper if I allow this transaction to continue, Monsieur Taxwind? Yes. Very well. It is settled, then. Oh, and of course your lack-brained brother will come along, too. What? No, no, no. You, you don't want him. Do not presume to know what I or my employers want aboard our ship, Mr. Taxwind. Your brother is a sailor, and he is simple-minded. These are the best kind of sailors. I will put him to good use. Besides, it is good to have family stick together, yes? No. I won't go anywhere with him. He's a menace. A, a, a nincompoop. Very well. A good day to you then, gentlemen. Wait, I... It's okay, bruv. I promise not to bother you none on the ship. Honest, I do. What say you, Mr. Taxwin? How can you refuse such an earnest declaration? Fine. I give in. Just get me the hell out of here. Monsieur Tangier produced a long skeleton key with an emblem of a skull at the base. He inserted it into the cell door, which smoothly and instantaneously opened. Bruff turned to look nervously down the hall for signs of the jailer's return, but the corridor was empty. When he looked back, Tangier was somehow already bedecked in the attire of a policeman. How? No time for explanation. Follow me, both of you. for ice cream. I hope you all like butter pecan. We're out of chocolate. Fellas. Fellas. Hello. Oh, well, more for me. I love Wednesdays. Our trio made it outside the station without incident. The city bustled around them and the sky was bright and clear. The sun gleaming off the shining steel of the skyscrapers decorating the heavens. Hovering over the tallest rooftop was an enormous airship, the biggest Bruff had ever seen. Just looking at it was beginning to turn his stomach, so Bruff quickly looked to the ground to settle his nerves. Ah, uh, thanks a lot, Tangier. Your employer and you won't regret this. I'm certain we will not. So, when do we sail? Tomorrow morning at dawn. I expect you will be prompt. Yeah, no problem. So, uh, where's she docked? Why didn't I mention? She's right here, gentlemen. The largest and most extravagant airship ever manufactured, the Atlantean. 
Will Bruff overcome his heightophobia? Will the brothers ever reconcile? Will the Atlantean charge extra for a kosher meal? Find out next time on Bruff Taxwind Sky Sailor. Bruff Taxwind Sky Sailor is brought to you by Justina Bowman's Ether of the Month Club. Sign up before Tuesday and you'll receive April's Cherry Blossom Reverie just in time for spring. Ah, dear listeners, it is good to be back. Let me tell you. You know, before I woke up in the coffin, I was having the strangest dreams. You see, when I was a younger man, I... uh, you know, I, I, I can't believe I'm about to reveal this. <laughs> oh, anyway, I was out for a late-night drive in my Duesenberg on a lonely country road. I was feeling a bit peckish, so I bent to reach below the dash, wherein I kept a ready supply of Staffordshire oatcakes. And when my eyes returned to the road, it was too late to stop my vehicle from careening into the side of a Tinker Lady's caravan. Her pathetic wares spread across the roadway like pebbles on a shore. The Tinker Lady herself was pinned under the rickety cart, alive but struggling, her limbs twisted like ivy round a drain pipe. Oh, I was terrified of being caught. You see, the car was not technically mine, nor was I licensed to operate it being only nine years old. Amazingly, my Duesenberg was undamaged, so I rather shamefully pulled back onto the roadway and carried on, the Tinker Lady's screams echoing in my ears. I finished the oatcake, returned the Duesenberg to my step-uncle's garage, and sneaked back through the window to my bedroom. Anyway, I know that was a long story, but the point was, while I was asleep in the coffin, I had the strangest and most vivid dream that the Tinker Lady was back and screeching as she stuffed me full of Staffordshire oatcakes while unseen voices chanted in torturous disharmony. Isn't that the funniest thing? Ah, dreams, you know... Anyway, join us next time for more Bruff Taxwind Sky Sailor. Rude Alchemy is Mr. Thomas Hodgkin, Mr. Andrew Kane, Mr. Andy Wertner, and Mr. Ryan Whalen. Bruff Taxwind Sky Sailor story by Rude Alchemy with Mr. Wertner as lead story editor. This episode written and edited by Mr. Wertner. Featuring the voices of Rude Alchemy. Music composed by Mr. Benjamin J. Robb. For a listing of Creative Commons sound effects attributions, visit rudealchemy.com slash attributions. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And finally, a quick note to my bookie Fred. I lost your number, but please put down a deuce on fancy footwork to win the snakes this weekend. That filly is a sure thing. Hey everyone, it's Mark from Leap Audio. I'm here to tell you about something really exciting. July 24 through 26 of 2020, Halifax, Nova Scotia, we are gathering together in the world's first international modern audio drama convention and family reunion. Inspired in part by the living, loving memory of our dear friend Bill Hallwake, We're bringing together writers, producers, actors, and our fans for workshops, seminars, and even live performances. So join us, won't you? Go to madcon.com. That's www.madcon.com. 
nad-con.com for more information. I hope to see you in Halifax in 2020.